Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Jar and Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Oh, no, man. Uh, I'll let mine speak for itself. Yeah, I think I've shown I can grow a beard with no patchy sides. Uh, but, you know, I'm going I'm to have, I'm have respect for my elders, um, you know, especially when they're much, much elder. Oh, be respectful. Well, there's the response from Gardner Minshew. Brian Fitzpatrick talking about the beard. Minshew talking about respecting the elders. They go after it on Thursday night right here in Jacksonville. That game will be on Fox 30 here locally. By the way, we'll have a... 90-minute pregame show uh, we're working on, and that one uh, will begin at 6.30 on Fox 30 here in town. So I uh, hope you can join us for that, and we'll see if the Jaguars... This is an interesting game for the Jags, because they get a chance. It, locally, I think the Jags are all of a sudden saying, hey, this is a fun team, right? I mean, we know what we're feeling around here. they got the win. They look pretty good on offense. I know they lost, but uh, it's kind of a fun team to watch. I like this team. Well, Thursday night, they have their only opportunity to show that to a national audience, right? Gardner Minshew, he already has become a national guy in a lot of respects. The rest of this team really doesn't have a national presence. And the Jaguars could say, hey, all you guys that picked us 1-15, and 2-14, 3-13, tank for Trevor, number one pick in 2021 draft, this is their opportunity. And I don't think the players care about this, by the way. But this is their opportunity to say, look at us. This is what... Jacksonville's buzzing about right now. We're going to go up and down the field. We're going to have some fun with LaVisca Chenault. Gardner Minshew's going to put on a show. Kyler Murray who? Daniel Jones who? Those kind of Easy. things. So it's kind of a, it's oh. a good opportunity yeah. for this this team to at least uh, get the national narrative to change sure. a little bit. So do me a favor. Don't ever, 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 ever put Daniel Jones in the same category as Kyler Murray ever again. Okay, let's let's pump the brakes here a little bit on your boy Daniel Jones. I'm just glad, listen, I I don't know if I've waken up in a new galaxy, but the fact that the Jacksonville Jaguars are not playing the Tennessee Titans on a Thursday night right now, (laughs) Brent, I'm happy, man. You know what? Yeah, the Miami Dolphins, maybe they're kind of down in the dumps a little bit, right? We're not really taking them seriously, but they have a lot to offer. Right now, I'd I'd prefer if Tua was playing. That would be kind of the must-see TV, but hey. I'll take Fitz Magic. I'll take the beard. I'll take their, you know, high-powered offense. We'll see. You know, I mean, I say that loosely, but it's something new. It's something exciting. The Jaguars don't always play the Miami Dolphins, especially on Thursday night. So I can't wait to watch it, man. Yeah. Speaking of Fitz Magic, it's a reunion of sorts here yes, on the show is, right man. now. And For I a long time. on ESPN 690. I'm telling you what, the, the next time Jason Fitz called into Jacksonville, Florida, I'm not sure in his heart of hearts, he really thought we'd still be on. Yeah. <laughs> and I, 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 I don't think it's employed, I'll be yeah. honest with I you. I mean, here we are. Survival yeah. of a lineup changes and everything yeah. on ESPN. Yeah. But we're still here. Fitz, how you doing, man? Well, I'm talking to you guys, so I'm stinking spectacular. And, of course, I figured you'd still be on. I mean, like, who's that, like last time I checked, you got beef on your side. Like, anytime you got that sort of, like, strength coming at you, ain't nobody taking Austin off the air. Come on. He'll just, like, take their butts. I don't know, Jason. All it takes is one HR call and I'm gone. But anyways, man, it's great to hear from you. Uh, it's great to, you know, it's been a long time. And I feel like I feel like it's the first day of school again. We had a nice long summer, and now I get to ask you about it. So, Jason, how was your summer, man? Did you do anything fun? Tell us about it. 
Yeah, I watched my favorite football team relocate to the city that I was born in and then go in and whoop up on the Saints. Like, it's not, guys, it's not that the, the Raiders are 2 and 0. It's that they were definitively better than New Orleans last night. That has me stunned. I mean, I am wearing, like, all the way down to my socks, I got Raiders gear on right now. And I'm not even apologizing for an ounce of it because my beloved Raiders are 2 and 0. So my summer has been great. Uh, but you guys, I mean, I, I, I may or may not on air have said that Jacksonville was going to be a dumpster fire this year. And now all of a sudden, you know, uh, it, it looks like they're, they're going to come out and play. Like, so uh, I, I've been wrong so far, and I'm happy for you because of it. Well, we have one thing in common, Jason, and that is the last name Gruden. Jay Gruden has been sensational in his first two games as the Jaguars offensive coordinator. And I watched John Gruden call every play last night, and I thought he was spectacular against the Saints, especially from the second quarter on. It's something about the Grudens. Yeah, well, and and look, I think it's an undervalued portion of the conversation, especially when you don't have the usual preseason or ramp-up or camps. And, you know, I, I would argue that the same part of that conversation matters in the NBA. I mean, we've seen how much coaching matters. And uh, last night was a great example, to your point. I, I genuinely was impressed with John Gruden's ability to work around and make things work. And, and Jay is somebody that, you know, I know pretty well. And in the times that I've had the, the opportunity to talk to Jay, uh, he is very aware of, you know, self-scouting, figuring out what, what do I have, who do I have, and how can I make it work. And I think that's where he's at his best is when he can just look at the chess pieces. He's one of those offensive coordinators that walks up to the board He's where he's shorthanded and still figures out how to win the chess match. And I think he's done that. So, you know, I, I realize that obviously the, a win over the Titans would feel sweeter, uh, but I expected the Titans to come out and thump, and they didn't in that game. So I think that's a statement. You know, this Jags team looks like Gardner Minshew is doing better than I would have ever expected. Jason, talk about your Raiders. I'm going to be honest with you, man. I thought the Saints were going to come in and steamroll them. Drew Brees, I get it. Michael Thomas was out, but, man, come on. I mean, it's Drew Brees. Um, I just figured that he'd have a field day against that defense. Boy, was I wrong. And now yeah. we're talking about Drew Brees. We're talking about Tom Brady, two guys that are up there in age a little bit. And one could say, is age the factor? I'm going to give you five names, though. I want you to see where I'm going here. Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray. Right now, those are the top five quarterbacks, according to ESPN, in terms of QBR. Yes, they're maybe on the younger side a little bit. You know, set aside from Aaron Rodgers, but they all have one thing in common. They're dual threat. They can beat you with your arm and their legs. Are we starting to see, I guess, the trend of the pocket passer, of just a statue in the backfield? Is that a dying commodity now, or does age have something to do with it? No, I think it's a dying commodity, and it's a great question, man. You know, I was watching uh, the Thursday night game last week with Michael Jr., and one of the things that Gojo was talking about is, you know, how willing they've become in the NFL now to really just finally loosen up and say, okay, what works in college and how do we make it work here? So, so many of the spread concepts that you talk about and so much in the movement that you talk about to give everybody a quick opportunity to get a win, right, is, is what it's about. And so whether that's a win on a route or whether that's a, a three-yard hitch, whatever it is, it gives them the opportunity for forward momentum. And, and that's something that I think we've seen uh, dramatically. And everybody you're talking about there has the ability to come out and be athletic, which is what we're used to from our college quarterbacks. We're just not necessarily used to it to the same degree from our pro quarterbacks, but we got to get used to it because it's absolutely a part of the game moving forward. Now, you got to protect your guys. You want to make sure, I mean, when you start talking about Mahomes, you start talking about somebody that you don't want to see out there running the ball 30 times, you know, putting himself at risk, right? But you want the ability to go out there and extend plays. And he's got that. And guys have that ability to go out and sort of find a way to make magic. And that's, that, to me, is a little bit of the college game seeping into the pro game, and I love every ounce of it. 
Jason Fitz with us here on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Uh, Port of Spain and Fitz. Jason Fitz, you can listen to him on ESPN Radio 7 and 9. Mr. Do Everything on ESPN and ESPN Radio. So glad to have you back on Tuesdays. Uh, looking forward to visiting with you every Tuesday. We, we're kind of bouncing all over the place. But this Thursday night game, we don't get Tua. We get Fitzpatrick the beard against Minshew and the mustache. Uh, do the Jags, in your opinion, have a chance to change the narrative a little bit? They caught your attention in the last couple of weeks because you thought they'd be bad well most people did uh they've caught our attention here in the city this is a fun team to watch because jason this is the first time they've scored this many points in the first two games of the season in 20 years that's why they've caught our attention and it's a likable team you can tell it's a it's kind of that uh, lunch pail team and so i think everybody around here likes them my question is though it can the rest of the country start to like them on thursday night with a good performance yeah, I think I think there's an opportunity. I don't know if they'll get the love that you, you want them to get out of a win over Miami because, frankly, it's still Miami. And I, as much as Miami spent a lot of money on the defensive side of the ball this year, they're not still, in the minds of most, going to be a great football team. But they will have the opportunity. They have a stretch later, Jacksonville does, after the bye week, where they go Chargers, Texans, uh, what Green Bay, and then uh, the Steelers, they they have the opportunity in that little spin there, I think, to get a lot of respect. The, the one thing, too, you mentioned likability. I'll also mention sort of rock star status. There's something about Gardner Minshew that has that. And, you know, whether or not he's going to be a great player, I, I, I think it's still going to take time to figure out if he can be a great quarterback. But can he be a great talking piece? We know that answer already. So that already makes you – that puts you one step ahead in the national conversation. I mean, on the Monday Night Tailgate show I did last night with uh, Diana Rossini and Field Yates, we did a whole thing about, you know, just the the mustache man down on Duval Lane wearing, like, the crop top and looking good. You know, like, I, I, to me, there's this moment of, like, that makes, that makes the Jags relevant to a national conversation as much of a joke as that may feel like to some people. So, yes, I think they've got to string together some wins. They've got to get some better opponents. But playing well on Thursday night, the one thing that, that will hurt them is playing poorly at any point because when everybody's ready to – to sort of sell out on a team or, or, or hop off of that bandwagon, it only takes one trash game for that to happen. So they got to play well. But I think they'll actually get the street cred you're looking for. That's more likely around week 9, 10. Jason, this NFL season, it's a marathon, not a sprint. But with that sprint, sometimes it can come a little overreaction every once in a while. I want to name you some teams real quick. You tell me who the most overrated one out of all these teams is. These are all 2-0 and teams. The Cardinals, the Rams, the Bears, your Raiders, the Bills, and the Titans. Who's the most overrated 2-0 and team right now? The Bears. Not even close. I mean, uh, Mitchell Trubisky, better to be lucky than good. And, uh, you know, and that's fine. But they got lucky in week one, and then I don't know that that game turns out the same way if Saquon plays. So I think the Bears are, are 2-0, and you know, house of cards right now. Uh, I don't think that there's a lot that's sustainable there, and I would put the Titans right behind them. The Titans have not been good enough in the first two weeks. So I think teams are starting to see the method on, on where they're vulnerable. They've got to come out. They've got to play better. They've got to just be more dominant in where they're supposed to be. They're supposed to run the ball better, too. So, you know, I think the Titans haven't played up to expectations, but the Bears certainly – they could be just as easily 0-2 as they are 2-0. and So I'm not ready to, to buy any stock in Mitchell Trubisky or Chicago long-term. All right, that's Jason Fitz. we got to let him run. Hey, man, we'll talk to you again next Tuesday. Enjoy the game Thursday night, and hopefully the Jags impress again. Let's go, Jacksonville. Have a great week. Appreciate you guys. All right, good catching up with you. Jason Fitz from Spain and Fitz, 7 o'clock on ESPN Radio, and you catch him all over the place. He does a little bit of everything. Man, I love him. He works hard.
Tune in just yeah. about any time. You're going to hear Jason Fitz, and you hear him on Tuesdays with us, uh, usually around 4 o'clock. Good to uh, be back with Jason Fitz. Uh, he mentioned the Raiders game, and there's something that's interesting about the Raiders game that I think pertains to the Jags. Mm-hmm. I was watching that game, and you watch Waller, the tight end. What do you have, 12 catches? I think it was 12 catches yeah. for over 100 yards. Yep. They line him up all over the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, tight end, slot, in the backfield, I think, even one time. Uh, he is whew, a tough matchup, and what a great story, right? He's a great comeback story. He was that last year. A lot of people talked about it. But now he's just a flat-out weapon. Mm-hmm. And so I'm watching them, and I know your love affair with Kyla Murray, and, and we've seen it with Deshaun Watson over the years. They have DeAndre Hopkins. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, obviously Matt Ryan has Julio Jones. Uh, you know, in Cincinnati, they've A.J. Green. You've got these guys that I call bailout guys. You know, sure. they're like, hey, throw it up to them and they'll probably make a play for you. Mm-hmm. Like last night, Derek Carr, I don't know if it was a bailout. I don't want to say he wasn't a bailout guy was Waller. He was the go to guy. Of course. And so the Jags on offense all of a sudden have a bunch of weapons like they, they have people that you like, mm-hmm. like and they're, and they're using it beautifully. They're executing in the first two weeks. But do they have a go-to guy? Do the Jags have a go-to guy, and do they need a go-to guy? At some point, when you need a play, mm-hmm. like in basketball, with 10 seconds to go, who are you going to? Well, the Lakers have a couple of options, right? In college, we've seen it before. I remember there were teams like, uh, like I think it was like the Florida Gators basketball team a few years ago. It was very good, and we'd have these conversations like, hey, they're good. But who's their guy with five seconds to go that's going to take the game-winning shot? And you know what? They really didn't have a guy that was willing so sometimes you can have pretty good football teams, but you just don't have the guy yeah. in critical spots. Do the Jags have one, and do you need one in the NFL? You know, I mean, I think the go-to guy oh, – see, that's interesting. If you're trying to get that touchdown, if you're trying to convert um, before the game's winding down, one could maybe think like an Eifert, right? Because he has the experience of making those big-time catches in the red zone and getting you the touchdowns. Obviously, DJ Chart comes to mind just because he has the skill set. Last year he was a pro bowler. So to me, it's probably either Chark or Eifert. Do you need that go-to guy? That is the question. You know, and I think right now with this Gruden offense, and keep in mind, like, Waller is definitely the featured guy, hands down, in Las Vegas. I mean, you still have Joshua uh, Jacobs. Um, You know, you're trying to bring Ruggs along a little bit. Renfro had an okay game, but, like, Darren Waller's the guy. I think that DJ Chark is the guy in Jacksonville, but we talk about Chanel. We talk about Eifer. Like, they, there's just so many reps to go around in terms of the receptions where I don't know if the Jacksonville Jaguars really have that go-to guy. And you know what? That's not necessarily a big issue, right? Because I can look at the, uh, the Ravens and say, well, who's the Ravens' go-to guy? I, I was going to bring that up. Yeah. Well, the, Even the Seahawks. You, you mean you, Tyler Lockett, I guess? You bring up a great point, and this is where I spin the conversation to, and I'm not sure I'm right or not, mm-hmm. but it's so different around here in Jacksonville because you can at least pose the question. You know who the go-to guy is in Baltimore? You know who the go-to guy is in Seattle? The quarterback. Russell Wilson. Yeah. And Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. Who is it now in Houston? Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. And so you're like, hey, give it to me. Put it on me. Well, mm-hmm. maybe the go-to guy in Jacksonville is McCarter Mitchell. Mm-hmm. Put the ball in his hands. Let him make a decision. Go out there and run around a little bit. Create with your legs if you need to. Or find the guy. Mm-hmm. But he's the guy. Uh, so that's kind of the way I look at this team. Because, listen, with all due respect, whether it's Eifert, uh, DJ Chark, I think he's emerging as a very, 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 very good player in the league. Chenault is fun to watch. Keelan Cole has kind of been the guy early on, to be honest with you. Uh, he's he's has the most receptions. I just don't sit there and say, oh, my gosh, he's unguardable. 
Like, go run a play for he's on, You're not going to stop him. Yeah. You know, I just – I'd be lying if I said I see that yet. Maybe that emerges, but I don't see that yet. Well, it's kind of the same way. Like, you, you don't say that about Hollywood Brown or uh, Snead or any of the – even Mark Andrews, very good player in Baltimore, right? Yeah. Ingram, good player. But you just like, I want the ball in Lamar Jackson's hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, and around here, I think it's like, okay, I want the ball in Gardner Minshew's hands. And how many t- – you just haven't said that about a quarterback <laughs> in forever uh, for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And since they put the ball in Gardner Minshew's hands, when Leonard Fournette – didn't play in that last game last year, and now these two where they were putting the ball in Leonard's hands. Like, he was the guy. Yeah. Well, they've scored 38 points, 27 points, and 30 points. And so I don't know if it's a suffice answer. Maybe you do want to go to guy. You know, mm-hmm. maybe DJ does become that guy. Maybe LaVisca becomes that guy. I can tell you this. I know I'm watching those games, and I want LaVisca Chenault in the game. Yeah. Like, I'm watching where does number 10 go, and that's interesting to me. But right now, I think it is Gardner Minshew. And you feel okay about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess uh, if you don't have one, you better have your quarterback be the guy. Sure, exactly. And that's and, the case here. And here's the thing about it too, Brent. Like, the Saints secondary is nothing to shake a stick at, right? Like, you got Malcolm Jenkins. He's pretty good, man. You got Marshawn Landmore was covering uh, Waller for a little bit. Like, they could not stop Waller. And I knew it. John Gruden knew it. And I'm sure that Saints defense, you know, like they're going to throw the ball to Waller. Well, when you have that go-to guy, what do you do? Then you put pro bowlers on him. You try to double-team him, and they still couldn't stop him. My point is, if you go back and watch the last Lakers-Nuggets game, the goal was to stop LeBron James from scoring. What happened? Anthony Davis scored, right? So sometimes it actually helps not to have that go-to guy because now you're not going to key in on him, right? Because now it's like, well, do we stop DJ Chark? Do we stop Chenault? I would rather have that kind of problem than say, you know what? We got Julio Jones on the Falcons. All right, you know what? We got Michael Thomas when he's healthy on the Saints. You know what? We got Devontae Adams in Green Bay. Like, those are the go-to guys. So you try to stop those go-to guys. If you have other guys that can step up and make a play, well, now you're talking. Well, here's the thing. Around in this town, for this team, the go-to guy since I've been in town has been Maurice Jones-Drew and uh, even Leonard Fournette, let's just say. Okay? Allen Robinson had a little bit of that uh, as well. You threw it up and and go make a play. But overall... I'd also argue with Mercedes Lewis that one year. Nah, he's not a go-to guy. Not not in this sense. Not his pro bowl In the red zone? Nah, I mean, he was was fine, but he wasn't Waller. Like, no. I mean, Waller's... I felt like Waller had 25 catches last night. I got you. You know? Yeah. I mean, he, he's just not that. So my point being in the running backs, it's okay. Like, Saquon Barkley is the guy, right? But mm-hmm. what do they do when the running back's the guy? They load the box, mm-hmm. and they try to stop the running back, and usually they're pretty good at it. Because mm-hmm. if you really make that much emphasis on doing it, you could probably do it. Yeah. Well, that's what this team has been. Yeah. And so it's just another thing to be a little bit excited about that, hey, they're not just trying to stop the running back anymore. By the way, the running back's doing a nice job, too. But they're well, not just helps. trying to stop him. And so it does help. It opens up things for him. I want to be careful, though, because I have kind of mm, shaken my head a little bit, uh, growled at this a little bit when mm-hmm. I've heard it. And that is, well, if you have all these guys that are touching the ball, maybe that makes you more dangerous. I'm not convinced of that. I still think in crunch time, whether you're playing basketball or whether you need a, to close a game in baseball or whether you're in football and you need a first down, I think you want a go-to guy. I think mm-hmm. you really want a guy that you can rely on. And 
it's nice that the Jags have a lot of different places to go. Yes, it makes them a little bit more difficult to defend. But it also makes you very difficult to defend if you have to game plan for one in particular person uh, on, on an offense. Mm-hmm. You know, because that draws a lot of people's attention. You know, my guess is the Saints, who, by the way, dominated the, the line of scrimmage in the first half mm-hmm. last night, and, and they were well, still able to listen, make plays. And one could argue that Josh Jacobs is probably their big, biggest offensive weapon. Right, True. The guy had three touchdowns against Carolina. They have He's, a nice balance. Yeah, yeah. But you got to believe by the third quarter of that game, every they, the whole Saints defense was like, where is number 83? Sure. Right? Mm-hmm. And that's I think that's a nice asset to have. That's my point. It's great to be able to throw the ball all around, to sprinkle it everywhere, to have a lot of different people to use. Kansas City's like that on steroids in a way. Yeah. But it's also nice to say, hey, when it's crunch time, I'm going to Travis Kelsey. Mm-hmm. Right? Because they're able to do it. Or I've got Patrick Mahomes. Right. Tyreek Hill, too. I mean, well, you can pick your poison. poison. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's an interesting thing. And what I'm hoping that comes from this is that we all can be right. Minshew's the guy. Mm -hmm. You do have a lot of weapons. So the Jags offense is tough to defend because they're going to spread it all out. And everybody's got a little bit different skill set, especially with Chanel in there and Colin Johnson, six, six and all these guys. And then on top of that, somebody emerges as. Like DJ Chark in the first four, five, six games last year didn't he would have kept, caught everything. You could throw it anywhere and he would catch it. Mm-hmm. And so I still wouldn't mind that guy to emerge. Uh, and, and they haven't needed that right yet. But when you do need it, and when you need a play, guy to make a play, who you go into? Mm-hmm. And maybe it is DJ. Uh, but maybe I don't it's DJ mind or that, maybe it's the open guy. <laughs> I don't you know? mind that guy being. Uh, being able to label that guy, I don't yeah. mind it. Maybe, yeah. maybe maybe the Jags won't have it, and that doesn't mean. Listen, this is the best offense we've seen around here in a while. Maybe you don't. Sure. Uh, I'm just glad it's not the running back. I guess. <laughs> yeah. No. You know? No. I hear you, man. And I'm, I'm glad I can also say, you know what? It might be the quarterback. Yeah. That's that's a nice thing to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at the end of the day, listen. If DJ Truck ends up being that guy, so be it. But I'm just saying, when you have those go-to guys, that doesn't mean it's going to go to them, right? Because defenses can find ways to shut those guys down. Now, like guys like maybe Devontae Adams, like we're, it doesn't matter who you, you can put Jalen Ramsey on Devontae Adams. He's probably going to have a field day. So same thing with Hopkins, right? But for the most part, those guys are few and far between. I don't, I'm not going to put DJ Chark on a DeAndre Hopkins on a Devontae Adams quite yet. So with that being said, I think you put the ball in Minshew's hands. He fi- finds the open guy and you're good to go. Yeah. It'll be, does this, does this offense have place to grow off the first two weeks? I mean, Gardner Mishu's 75% passes. I mean, he's made two mistakes. Really, he's made three. He had the one sack, and he made the two picks. Yeah. And one I really don't think was his fault. Um, are we? Can they? Can they maintain this? Is is my point? I mean, can they continue to click at this level, uh, or is there another gear to hit? Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of what your offense is capable of, I don't think we've seen enough of Chris Thompson in the pass game. I think that's another wrinkle you can throw out there. But Jay Gruden's been pretty adamant about this, right? He's going to tailor his game plan to what the defense gives him. Now, you know, if you want to try to break Miami, now we can do that tomorrow a little bit more. But at the end of the day, if you're running James Robinson, he's running well, Brent, that's got to be the focus, right? Like, I understand, like, Minshew could be the guy for a long time. But if Robinson's getting you four to five yards per carry – I mean, how can you not be that guy that rock? Because not only do you control the clock, not only do you inflict the physicality on the opposing team, but also it sets everything up so nicely with the play action. So, yeah, you probably can see some more plays here, some more crazy motion, do things with Chenault. But at the end of the day right now, your bread and butter is running the ball with James Robinson and setting stuff up, and it's looking fantastic. 
Yeah, I can't. Uh, I said this a few weeks ago going into the season. You know, the Jags put a lot of eggs in one basket, in my opinion, based off one game last year, the last game. Hmm. They said, you know what? We give the ball to Gardner Minshew. We run this style of offense. We don't have Leonard Fournette to give it to and run the play action all the time and all that stuff. Well, we think we can be pretty dynamic. Mm. And we think he can be pretty good in that kind of system. And they have taken that theory and they have used it these first two games. And now if you look at the Indianapolis game combined with these first two, Indy and Tennessee, you're talking about, well, over 100 points scored. Uh, yeah. which is pretty impressive. I, I thought they might have been making a little bit of a mistake by putting too much into that indie game. Well, it looks like they're playing right into the strengths of not only Gardner Minshew, but the way Jay Gruden likes to run his offense and the strengths of this football team by utilizing a little bit of everybody. True, and you do take a lot from that indie game of last year, but keep in mind, how did the Jacksonville Jaguars come out this season? I-formation with a fullback, right? So... Well, I get it. Like, you're putting a lot of stock in that game. If you're Jay Gruden, you've never used a fullback either. So, like, you're actually adapting a little bit. You're doing something new, kind of out of Jay Gruden's comfort zone maybe a little bit. And obviously something the Jaguars echoed back to back in 2017 when they had all that running success with Leonard Fournette. So I get what you're saying, but at the same time, we're seeing a new wrinkle here with that fullback well, as well. And you, but you've, you've said it before, too. I mean, they had uh, the last couple of years in Washington, uh, whether it was Geis or um, Peterson, you know, they've had the power back kind of game. Game still to play around sure. with with Jay Gruden. Uh, but, I would just say this: yeah. they threw the ball. I forget how many times against Indianapolis in that last game last mm-hmm. year, but it was probably thirty-five to forty. Mm-hmm. And they threw the ball what forty-five times the other day. Now some of that they were down, some of that because they had to. Mm-hmm. But that's not an anomaly. They're going to throw the ball in the mid-thirties most likely, and they're only going to run it about fifteen to twenty times in a game. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe they get a touch over that, but. Uh, that's the way they're going to run their offense. The flip side was, hey, let's get 25, 26, 27 runs, and then maybe 27, 28, 29 passes. Yeah. That's the way it's been around here, and run play action be balanced. Well, the balance is leaning toward the pass game. I, I get that, absolutely. But at the same time, you have to ask yourself, if the run game shuts down, what's going to happen then? Then what's it going to look like? It's true, but they utilize a little bit of the pass game as run plays. Sure. Right? Fair enough. Like what the, Whether again. it's the screens or whether it's the quick ball. They yeah, utilize yeah. those like kind of like the Patriots ha- have done in the past with Brady as those are pseudo run plays where they get the ball quickly to a guy. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, yeah. They're running the bubble so, screens. Sure, sure. Or, yeah, it's essentially like a run play. So, it's a, yeah, they utilize. They would yeah. say that. They're like, hey, this is kind of a run play. Sure. You yeah. know, it's yeah. not the turnaround and hand no, off. No, no, this it's, is a it's quick play. passing. You yeah. know, maybe we still haven't seen. Have we seen a jet sweep yet? Yeah, I'm pretty sure you saw one with Chenault. Yeah. Did Chenault run one of them? I could have swore you did. Yeah. Okay. I know he's been in motion a few times. I don't know yep. if they handed it to him. I thought he got a jet sweep. He might have. He yeah. might have. Uh, you know the other thing is? I noticed. What's up? If I notice it, this is big because I don't look at the game this way. Especially because you're on Twitter all the time. Yeah, but the it's so it's hard to watch. But I can't imagine. The I think the receivers are blocking. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. I mean, Keelan Cole yeah. at 170 pounds soaking wet, <laughs> I think has been blocking like crazy. Don't you, do you see that too? Yeah, I see. I mean, yeah, I, I didn't. I mean, I'll be honest with you. Blocking receivers is the last thing I watch on the football field. But I agree with you because if you look at when the run gets to the edges, you don't see corners making plays. Now, yeah, Leviska Chenault, you better be able to block. You squat over 550. Can't say it enough. Congratulations, that's insane. But yeah, Keelan Cole is is more than suitable, right? Because we we saw an offense last year who had to rely. I'm um, like, you know, Marquise Lee to, to be.
be like the blocking specialist. Yeah, yeah. And now those days are gone, right? Like now you have a very, I guess you have a Swiss Army knife of receivers who can block, who can run with the football, who can catch. It's nice to have. Absolutely. Cam Newton, is he back? Is this just a little flash? And who messed up not getting him? <laughs> to give the Patriots and Bill Belichick this version mm. of Cam Newton for basically nothing. Mm. Tanking for Trevor? I doubt it. And by, by, by the way, my bet's looking... I'm a little. I'm not nervous about my bet with you yet with the Patriots-Jaguars better record. But I've been more nervous about other things, I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm doing pretty good with it. I'm doing pretty good with it. I like that yeah. little skirmish. I just don't like the Bills, man. <laughs> the Bills are good. That's two losses are possibly really for New that England. Good? The Bills are uh, good. Uh, Cam Newton, what's uh, what's up with him? Is he going to be comeback player of the year? Talk about it next on ESPN 690. Action Sports Jacks with Brent Martineau on ESPN 690 is brought to you by Best Bet Jacksonville and Orange Park. Now, the first alert forecast on ESPN 690. Brent Martineau. Well, listen, if we wanted to just bump WWE by like a half hour or a few minutes, yeah. we should have just rolled your your highlight tape. Oh. Austin Lane. Oh, and there it is. And now Brent's playing ball. All of a sudden, Chapman throwing some high heat at me. Watch out for that suspension, Brent. Real quick, though. <laughs> Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Um, I don't know. I think our, having our fans in the stands definitely gives us an advantage. Uh, I think it fuels a lot of our guys. You know, so we're looking forward to having our crowd. Last, you know, game one, they really helped us out. Uh, we appreciate everybody that came out. Me personally, it's uh, it's fun. You know, with everybody in the stands when you're celebrating and stuff. But uh, you know, ball is ball. <laughs> I wonder all the time: Is Gardner Minshew going to get tired of that? Having to always answer the off the field, on the field stuff. Yeah. I mean, there's not a part of me at all that believes like he's distracted by everything. In fact, I appreciate Gardner for his willingness to do stuff and still stay on task. Man, enjoy this time. You don't know how long it's going to last. You have no idea. You got a great opportunity, like I was saying, a lottery ticket you're holding. But enjoy it. Go do Uncle Rico stuff. Go do Bud Light stuff. Go Whatever it is. And have fun with it. And I think he does a great job of separating. I mean, listen, I'm not around him all the time. But is it crystal clear that he's ready to play ball? I mean, yeah. I think he's shown that. Mm-hmm. He's absolutely shown that so far. Hey, uh, Sean's been hanging on the line. We appreciate him listening to Action Sports Chats on ESPN 690. So let's get him in. What's up, man? How you guys doing today, man? Good. Uh, so I got a question. I, I think it was more towards Austin since he played on defense. Uh, but as a, going back to the Todd Wash question from earlier in the show, um, if you if you draft defensive players as a head coach and as a GM, aren't you aware of what your defense your defensive scheme is, and you pick guys based on if they can run that defensive scheme? If not, then do you really blame Todd Wash if the guys that they get drafted? aren't necessarily up to par, if you will, to run the routes in America and do the things that are required for those specific schemes. Thanks, Sean. Appreciate it. Um, by the way, I know a heck of a lot more about defense than Austin, so I don't let's know why you're by this pointed toward, hey, toward Austin. You got it, man. Let's hear it first. <laughs> let's hear what you got to say. Well, I'm, I know what you're going to say. I've been around you long enough, so I know what you're going to say. I don't think you do, but okay. Yeah, if you're, if you're good at coaching, you fit – 
your scheme and everything else to mm. how the players can play, their skill sets, what they're good at. Not quite. You have to adjust to them. Not quite. You get good players and adjust. Not quite. Cruz, give him the buzzer. By the way, you can't, I, I would say this, you can't be, you can't just draft guys that fit your scheme. That's dangerous, man. Coaches don't survive in this league. Oh, how's Andy Reid doing right now? Okay, he just signed a six-year contract. He can do it. Okay. <laughs> well, there you go. Go ahead. No answer. What was your answer? No, you can't do it. No, I don't think you can. Okay. No, I, I don't think you. I don't think this team said, "Hey, Todd Wash runs this. Yeah. Uh, let's get this." If that's the case, how did they draft Josh Allen and Caleb on Chase on? Mm-hmm. They're both better in three, four defenses. Yeah. So listen, that's a great point. But here's what I'm getting at. Yeah, that's a little, little sidebar. That's a great point. Yeah, yeah. that's a great that's point. A, that's a great that's point. point. Yeah, we're still talking about <laughs> Kyle Murray. So yeah, we're still talking about Kyle that's ever played. Hey, talk about Daniel Jones one more time. Tell me how good he is. Do you really want to have this debate right now between Daniel Jones and Kyle Murray? Daniel Jones Anyways. at the end of the day will have a better career than Kyle Murray. How about this season, how about Brent? That, hey, hey, how about we stop getting ahead of ourselves? Talk about this season real quick. Anyways, though, to get to the the, the caller's point here, listen. When GMs, when scouts, when they look at their talent, like, yes, you obviously, when you're scouting, you have to go, okay, how does this guy fit into our system? Sure. But let's, well, let's keep on like, what we're talking about here, right? Like, if I'm trying to scout a three technique or a defensive tackle, it's not like, well, I can envision him doing this. because No, it's like, listen, if he's good, he's good. Now, Taven Bryan, I think, was a luxury pick, right? Did Taven Bryan have to come in here right away and do anything? Absolutely not. You had Calais Campbell. You had Marcel Darius. I think was... Malik Jackson here too or not at the uh, time? I think he had. I don't think so. Okay, so he was gone. I think he was gone. Okay, but you still had. I mean, you're you had good, a good though. You know what I'm saying? Short. No, you yeah. were fine. Yeah. yeah, I got you. So with that being said, it's not like you were requiring Taven Bryan to come in and fill a role right away. So Taven Bryan was a luxury pick. You saw something on a film that you liked, whether it was his get off, whether it was his aggressiveness, and it's like we can take him and mold him to what we want. You can't have like these preconceived notions like, all right, well, I'm going to run a 3-4 defense. I have to go find this 3-4 linebacker. No, man. Like, If they're good, they're good. If they flash on tape, they're good, and then you make it work with your defense. That's the part I was going to say, Brent, where these guys coming out of college, they're not even close to being fully developed, right? So they're almost like a piece of clay. So you look at the film from their college tape. You see, okay, they're fast, or they have good hands. They have good footwork, whatever that thing may be. And then you take them, and then you mold it to your defense. Now, the cornerback position could be different, right? For instance, Pete Carroll saw Richard Sherman because you know why? Richard Sherman was a very long player who played good zone coverage. He, he fell in the draft because people were like, this guy can't play man coverage. We don't want to take him. I think Pete Carroll got Richard Sherman in the fifth round fifth or whatever round, it was. Yeah. So that was an example in the secondary where it was like, this guy fits our system right now. And he's going to be good to go. Lo and behold, Richard Sherman, probably future Hall of Famer. Right, so I think it, it counts more in the secondary, uh, maybe at the safety position, than it does actually in the defensive line and linebackers. Yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah. Uh, and and especially with this kind of defense, I think that is correct. Right, mm-hmm. you need a free safety that can really get sideline to sideline. It's been one of the hard tasks of this defense in this scheme for mm-hmm. now that what six, seven, eight teams, maybe even more, run it or yeah. run some version of it. But it's hard to find that free safety, and now you're seeing it's hard to replace that free safety sometimes, and that's been a, a weak spot over the years, more so than the strong safety side. So I think on the offensive side of the ball, this relates a little more, right? Like if you see like a slot receiver that can fit your offense. Yeah. I mean, look, look what Kingsbury's done. Yeah. Right? Like Kingsbury's had the blueprint the whole time. But on the defensive side of the ball, I think a defensive line, like either 
they're a good defensive lineman or they're not, right? Like they're not tailor made necessarily coming out of college to your offense, but you have to or to your defense, but you have to make them work. Well, I think yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I think it's a little bit of a mixed bag on it. Like I think of a guy like Miles Jack. Miles mm-hmm. Jackson now played three different positions for the Jags, mm-hmm. but when they drafted him, I wonder what they saw him as. You know, tailback. Like, <laughs> it's the only thing they haven't tried. Well, at. Play a little running back in college. <laughs> it's the only thing they haven't yeah. tried. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and by the way, given this offense, hey, he Chanel's might get over there. Carries, why not? Get Miles Jack over I'd, there. I'd sign up to see that. That'd be fun. Uh, but Miles Jack, Bingo Brent. And I'd love to know in their room. Say, hey, yeah, this guy'd be a great weak side linebacker. Now, keep in mind they had Telvin Smith at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they had Puzz on the roster already at the time. So. There wasn't a lot of room. They just knew this guy's a damn good football player, mm-hmm. and we're getting him in the second round. We're going to go get him. You mm-hmm. know. So there's a little bit of that sometimes. Like Josh Allen, he fell to him at number seven. They weren't taking T.J. Hawkinson because Allen might fit better in a three-four. Yeah. They were saying no. Well, we're going to get Josh Allen. And let's talk about it too. Josh Allen played with his hand outside of the ground for most of his college career. Right? He was a three-four outside linebacker. Yeah. Didn't play with his hand in the dirt. Now in Jacksonville, now he's played with his hand in the dirt a little more. Right? Did Josh Allen fit the mold? Did Josh Allen fit the scheme? Absolutely not. But when that talent falls to you, you, you can't pass it up. Like, and you do something. You're, you're going to make it work. You yeah. have to make it work. It's an interesting question. Yeah. Um, I just think it is a little bit dangerous to pick just for scheme because, again, players usually stick longer than coaches if you look at the trend, yep. especially top-level draft players. I mean, you're pretty much signing up that guy for at least four years, probably five, mm-hmm. and maybe even eight, Yeah. right, in a second contract. Sure. You sure as hell ain't hiring coaches for that long. Yeah, you wish they would be, yeah. but you can go through three cycles of coaches mm-hmm. in that span. Unless you're in Jacksonville is what people are saying right yeah. now. <laughs> for sure. uh, I just think, you know, coordinators or coaches, they look at the offensive guys and it's like, all right, this guy fits what we're trying to do here. On the defensive side of the ball, can he get after the passer? Yes. Is he good in the run game? Yes. Okay. We'll make him work somehow. All right. Uh, I want to get some thoughts on Blake Bortles coming up in just a moment, mm-hmm. but uh, Cam Newton first. Sure. I mean, my gosh. Listen, I'm I'm one of these guys, if I'm being completely honest with you, yeah. that think Cam Newton has been a bit overrated in mm-hmm. his career. I th- He was unbelievable the one year. MVP. And deservedly. Mm-hmm. Uh, was unbelievable. I also think he has been incredibly inaccurate. Mm-hmm. And I also give him the benefit of the doubt at times because he hasn't had a ton of weapons. You know, I mean, Greg Olson's been a very nice player for him. But outside of that, go ahead and start naming me great res- what Steve Smith did play there. Steve Smith, Kelvin Benjamin. was that early on with Newton? Steve Smith? Yeah, how long ago was that oh, now? I've, I wonder how yeah. many years he spent with Steve Smith. Uh, I'd have to look it up. Mm-hmm. But overall, like, he was... No, it was, I mean, listen, the guys that he's played Benjamin with Benjamin had a great year, I think, or a Funch, good year one yeah, year. okay year. Funches Funches. Had a, but did he make them better? Probably, because they've been pretty average guys. Yeah, exactly. Uh, or actually, below average. Yeah. So... What is Kevin Benjamin doing now? Yeah, I give him, I give him credit because of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Again, I'm not here to tell you he's a terrible player. I just think at times he's been overrated. I don't. I think he's an inaccurate passer. So all that being said, you know, Cam Newton going to the Patriots, like, yeah, whatever. You know, mm-hmm. hey, uh, Leonard Fournette wants Cam Newton down here. Yeah, whatever, man. The guy will mince you. It doesn't make sense. I don't even want to visit that. Uh, the other teams that pass on him, well, I mean, Ron Rivera must know what he's talking about. He's got a young quarterback, doesn't want to bring that in there, and he's, he coached him. I mean, he knows there's some. Why wouldn't he bring him in? Sure. McDermott in Buffalo, bring him in as a back. Nah, nah, we're not going to do that right now. Well, apologies, Cam Newton, because Cam Newton looked unbelievable the other night. Is that the Cam Newton we're going to get, or was that a flash? No, I think that's the Cam Newton you're going to get, and here's why. 
I think Josh McDaniels right now, the offensive corner of the New England Patriots, is cementing himself for a head coaching role somewhere next year if he wants it. Now, he doesn't have to take it if he wants it because let's go back to Denver real quick. And let's go back to when Josh McDaniels was the head coach of the Denver Broncos. Drafted a guy in the first round by the name of Tim Tebow. Now, we all get Tebow mania, and we all know what Tim Tebow was and all that stuff. But guess what? I started more games than Tim Tebow, number one, and I had the higher Wonderlick score, number two. I always got to flex on Tim Tebow, Brent. It's what I do, okay? I'm sorry, but it's what I do. With that being said, though, he took a guy on Tim Tebow that nobody really gave a shot in the dark about, right? And he brought Tim Tebow to Denver, and for the most part, and say what you want about Tebow's arm and his ability at the quarterback, they went to the playoffs, and they won a playoff game with Tim Tebow, okay? That was Josh McDaniels. Now let's fast forward. Win New England. Josh McDaniels has had Tom Brady for how long? Had a lot of success and everything. Tom Brady leaves. Now what do you do? Josh McDaniels goes out, and he gets Cam Newton. He says, you know what? I see something here. I think this guy still has something left in the tank. Let's see what he can do for us. And he tailored that offense from Denver that he had with Tim Tebow, and now he has Cam Newton for... Once again, all due respect to Tim Tebow, is a lot better quarterback than Tim Tebow was with his ability to throw and run. You got something special. Hey, here's the deal. I, You know me, I'm not a Patriots fan at all. In fact, I don't want him to win at all. Sure. I don't want him to lose every game either because I know I'm tank for Trevor. Yeah. But I also don't. But there's a weird part of me rooting for Cam Newton this year, which is strange. Like, I'm just being honest. Like, I, I like the story, you know? Yeah. I like the fact that everybody said, hey, we don't think you're any good anymore. You're too hurt. And by well, the way, those are fair questions about his injuries. Is yeah. he banged up? Is he too banged up? I still wonder if he's going to get through a season running as much as he is. See, but the way they're using him, at least right now, he's not, he's not getting those long runs where it's like you, you rush 20 times a game. You know, like in Carolina, he was getting worn yeah. out. In New England, it seems like every once in a while, or by the goal line, that's where he gets his work in from rushing. Yeah, well, I saw him get hit in the head, though, and I'm like, can he do that 16 weeks in a row? But the guy's 270-something pounds. Have uh, you seen him? But the head's only what human head weighs 8 pounds, according to Jerry Maguire movie. Really? Yeah. Yeah, well, maybe maybe he, that's a good point, especially with his fashion sense. Maybe his head is no, that was a terrible call, by the way. And the, at the terrible end, call by his fashion sense? No, it was by a the, terrible call at the oh. end of the game. I mean, what are, uh, Josh are we, McDaniels are ain't getting a job. His fashion, I'm more aware of those fashion Josh sense. Josh McDaniels ain't getting a job if he calls that play again. <laughs> I know. Hey, when we come back, Blake Bortles finds a new home, yeah. it looks like. And uh, second-year quarterback report card. It's Austin's favorite About part time. of the show. Coming Talk up next. Blake Bortles Minshew before Kyler Murray. Murray Lover over here. There, Coming hey, up next on ESPN 690. That's 690. fake news, Brent.